0: Hello and welcome back to Raw Sport. Um, I'm your host, Will Kingswood, and today we're looking at the start of the Premier League season as we're filming this Brentford top of the table after their 2-0 win against Arsenal last night. Obviously, that means Arsenal rounding out the bottom in 20th, but will they stay there? I guess that's the that's the thing we're trying to predict. We've got our all got our list of tables, and we'll just be running through them, deciding why we've put each team in each place but obviously I can't do that on my own so first I'll bring in Raw's head of sport Cam Hall. How are you Cam?
1: I'm good I feel I've just stolen your job there Will but it is great to it's great to be back and yeah of course a lot coming up on Raw this year and I guess as well to any freshers who are tuning in as well whether they're you're this is the first time you've ever um, tuned into anything that we've done at Raw. It's a little bit of a flavour of the sort of thing that you'll get over the next year not just on Raw Sport but across all of the departments including the news department as well that I run so yeah really good if you are watching but aside from that yeah I'm doing good I've just had my second dose this morning so yeah certainly if the the chills start coming in whilst I'm, I'm doing this video I'll try and cover it up as my excitement for the Premier League this season but it's going to be a great season I've got can't wait to talk about what's coming up this year because there is a lot to look forward to.
0: Yeah I mean first First season in a one and a half years with fans backing the stadium, and as we saw last night, that really made a difference in terms of the atmosphere and possibly in terms of the result. But you're not my only guest on the show. We also have
2: Dan. How are you, Dan? I'm good, thank you. Uh, really happy to be here. Really happy to be back. Uh, I've been I've been gone a while, um, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to the new season. Um, you know, I was, I was so happy to watch a Premier League game uh, after the long break—I mean, it wasn't that much of a break from the Euros—but it felt like forever for me because I just live and breathe football. Um, and yeah, I'm really happy to be here, and you know, uh, really looking forward to everything that we're going to do this year in Real Sport.
0: Yeah, no, we've got lots of lots of plans coming up. Obviously, we'll keep, we'll bring back um, Super Saturday in the studio. We'll be having a live coverage of all of the. Three o'clock games, giving our opinions, our thoughts as all the goals go in. We've also got other sports. We do our F1 shows. And if you have any requests for what sort of shows you want, then of course, like send them over to us and we can make something happen. But today's not about other sports. Today about football. Just on the bottom there, you can see the Premier League fixtures. So Brentford have already beaten Arsenal 2-0. Man United versus Leagues in the early kickoff. And then the three o'clock games, the Leicester Wolves, Chelsea, Crystal Palace, Watford, Aston Villa, Everton, Southampton, Burnley, Brighton. Um, and then you've got Norwich, Liverpool in the late game and Newcastle, West Ham and Tottenham, Man City games tomorrow. But what we'll be doing is we'll sort of <laughs> dance. Dan's. Camera has fallen over, that's fine. <laughs> but what, was the, what we'll be doing is we'll be running through, we've got our tables, as I mentioned earlier, and we'll be running through in um different parts where we think everyone's going to finish up. So, what we'll do is we'll start with the top four battle. So, um I mean, I'll ask, yes, uh, who have they got top four? So I'll come to you, Cam, who have you got in your top four?
1: So, for me, the top four, I'm by a very clear margin as well, over fifth as well. I think this is going to be a rather unchallenged top four, unlike what we've had in the last couple of seasons, where there's been one or two teams kind of on the cusp. Um, I've got Chelsea winning their first title in five years this season. Manchester City coming very close, but being denied coming in second place. A bit of a gap then back to a very tight battle for third, third and fourth between Liverpool and Manchester United. I've got Liverpool just pipping United there on that one. So it's the same. I'm predicting the same top four as has been, for the last two seasons although slightly different order this time around chelsea city liverpool man united
0: i mean dan what was your what would you agree with that or what's your title? uh
2: chelsea what do you say chelsea city liverpool man united yeah, yeah i think i've got every single team in a different place um <laughs> which is interesting so i've got i've gone for city liverpool chelsea man united um yeah i think c are too strong um, with the additions, you know, just with Grealish, I think they'll win it. With Kane at all, it won't even be a competition. But I think that in general, the top four is looking very strong this year, uh, the strongest we've seen for a while.
0: Yeah, and again, I've completely, I'm different to all of you. I've got the same <laughs> top four, but in the order of City, Chelsea, United, and Liverpool. I think after after the spend of 100 million on Jack Grealish, City have to win it. There's no there's no second option, really. They can't really afford not to win it, especially after the amount they've spent over the last few years. I think Chelsea, with the signing of Lukaku, has definitely sort of improved an area they were really weak in over the last season because obviously it seemed like um, Timo Werner couldn't score anything. They've also got better players now. Kai Havertz has seemed to come into his own Mason Mount after his performances at the Euros. So I do think Chelsea, second. United third. I think they've just improved, improved the areas that some of the areas that they're weakest in. And then Liverpool fourth, who haven't really made any signings, but you can't really count them out. I mean, can you? Not at all. I mean,
1: with with Liverpool, I was going to say, obviously, they have made the one signing in Canate, who obviously, given their centre back problems last season, I think they needed stronger cover there. And I think that was brought out to them with the fact when they did lose pretty much everyone that they could have done at centre back. Canate is a very good player. I could easily see he'll slot in, I think, very well against Virgil van Dijk. I think it'll be an interesting battle between him and Joe Gomez for that second spot. I think Ginny wijnaldum is a huge loss for Liverpool. And I think they're going to feel that throughout the season. And I think certainly looking at the players they've got in the midfield, I'm looking to see who steps into that spot, whether it is Nabi Kater whether it is another one of their midfielders that they're bringing up someone like curtis jones possibly could use this season as a real launch pad for him but liverpool aren't the team they were a couple of seasons ago i think and i think one thing that i think a lot of people haven't discounted as well is that salah and Mane do go to the africa cup of nations in january and i feel that is going to hurt liverpool and i think that is to be honest the most important thing that's going to deny them that shot at the title because at the end of the day Chelsea have that match winner now in Lukaku. He's going to be the one who's going to get them goals. He is a a 30-goal-a-season striker. He is a player that will feed off this fantastic creativity that Chelsea have really harnessed under Tuchel. Kai Havertz and Mason Mount, genuinely, I think, two of the best attacking players, not just in the league, but in the world at the moment, in terms of how they can create and work in that Chelsea team. City, you don't have to look much further. I think, as Dan said, as a team, in terms of creativity, in terms... Of the players that they have in that team on paper probably the best starting 11 in the premier league they are still missing that recognized striker There's obviously harry kane comes in that's a different ballpark but i just think lukaku even as much as harry kane would add to man city lukaku i just think is just one step ahead and what he's going to bring to that chelsea side looking at the hole that they had to plug last year could they do with a stronger center back possibly could they do potentially with a stronger keeper than Wild Mendy? I'm not sure. He did do very well, kept a lot of clean sheets last season. Is there more room for improvement? Possibly. But I just think Lukaku is that signing that just tips Chelsea over the edge. And you look as well at Tuchel and the way he was ta- his tactics in the big games, his tactics against Guardiola in particular last season, he will get Chelsea those big six-pointers when they need them. And I think at the end of the day, that could be the difference for them this season.
0: I mean, damn would you what would you what are sort of your um, thoughts on the whole Chelsea situation?
2: I mean, I'm a United fan. And I remember Lukaku at Manchester United. And there were times before, what a striker. And there were times before he couldn't hit a barn door. Now, unless like I know he's done very well over in Syria, and it would be a lazy comment to say that he uh isn't good enough for the prem because that's just not true because we've seen that he is good enough for the prem. Um, what Lukaku are we going to see at Chelsea? We're going to see the one who was very hit and miss at Manchester United. For example, I remember he scored. He scored two goals against PSG, which everyone kind of forgets about when we uh, in, the, in the comeback win. But then he goes and misses a sitter against Arsenal the next week and never scores again for United. So, what Lukaku are we going to see? Are we going to see one who is you know? fit uh firing on all cylinders I think he's very much a confident striker which you know the majority of strikers are um, because if they can get that right if they can if they find that correct striker because Timo Werner you know even with Timo Werner they still won the Champions League so they aren't far away from being Premier League winners. Um if he is the missing piece of the puzzle then yeah they could definitely win the Champions League and if they can get Kai Havertz firing um, if they can find a way to play him and Mount in sort of like an interchanging, uh, fluid system, if they can get ZH to have more an impact than he perhaps um, has had in the past, um, if they can get all those pieces of the uh, of the puzzle just to just to fit and click, then I think they'll be a uh, a, a real contender this season. Having said that, you look at City's squad. Um, City's first level is incredible because Guardiola we know that he doesn't necessarily need a striker to uh to put out a first 11. but even their second 11 is just ridiculous um i mean you look at Rick Laporte, one of the best center backs in world football we've would said that a couple of years ago now because he hasn't played we're, we're not that sure um he doesn't get into the starting 11. Like, he plays diaz and uh stones um and he spent so much money on fullbacks he's got a great array of fullbacks at his disposal maybe left back's a bit weak um but yeah that city team just the squad's incredible, the manager incredible, um, and yeah, I think Liverpool. It's, it's, it's a difficult one because um, a few seasons ago, everyone was talking about how they were going to win numerous Premier Leagues on the trot, um, and they sort of disappeared last year. Was that all down to Virgil van Dijk, or was that down to other things? Uh, they've lost final as has already been said um but they still have probably three of the best four defenders in world football in trent van dyke and robertson one of the best if not the best goalkeeper um and an incredible front three who if you bring diego Jota into uh into the into the mix then yeah a great impact sub or if you do going into weaker teams i'll probably play a four-two-four. and then you've got manchester united my, my team um who have made two great signs i don't think anyone can deny that um and last year finished second, so, you know, they've been, they've finished second, they've improved their team, and yet everyone seems to be, well, no one really seems to be talking about them as t- challenge uh, as title contenders, sorry. Uh, which is interesting to me. They've, they've sorted out that right-wing role, they found Harry Maguire a partner, and yeah, I think it's going to be, I think they've spent their money very efficiently, and I think it's going to be a really interesting, uh, not just top four battle, but all of those four teams have very good chances of winning the league.
0: No, I would agree. I mean, I think all of those four teams do have a very good chance. I just think that it's the City um, second eleven that will win it for them. I mean, we saw it last season when the fixtures came on thick and fast after after Christmas and going into January. That's when they went on their 14, 14 game winning streak when they had the capabilities of resting their players but still replacing them with players that were like top class and other teams couldn't afford to do that. That's why that's what, I mean, they won obviously because they had a very good defense, very good midfield, very good attack, but they had a very good defense midfield and attack even when they weren't playing their first 11. And I think you'd have to think that that will still come in this year, even if um, the fixture congestion isn't as bad as it was last year. I mean, well, Chelsea. I think definitely that it will come down to whether they can get Lukaku and Havertz and Mount and even Werner and Ziyech firing. If they can get all of those players firing, obviously we say that we could say that for every team, but I think it really does matter for Chelsea more, especially in that attacking role, especially with Lukaku. If we see the Lukaku of your Everton and your Inter Milan, then Chelsea will be up there, and I think that's why I put them second. But Again, I'm a Manchester United fan. It's hard to say. It almost feels like we've done things, but we've not we've done them less. So City and Chelsea have got the marquee signings. We still spent quite a bit of money, but it almost feels like because they've spent more that we uh we haven't been as highly highly um publicised as um City and Chelsea. I think Possibly, if we do get a CDM, so you're thinking a Rice or an Indy or someone else, then it could be could be an option for us to challenge into first place. But I do think it's probably more between City and Chelsea, and then Liverpool and United backing out for the top four finish. I mean, do you want to add anything to that?
1: Yeah, United's glaring problem is that CDM central midfield role. And at the end of the day, the Premier League, whether it's creatively or whether it's just by having physical strength you have to be able to control the midfield i don't look at united's midfield and it doesn't scream to me like a midfield that can control the game and i think certainly you look at the place nemanja matic five seasons ago was a title winning player he was that player who would dominate the midfield for you and would really give you that ability to stabilize your defense and give you some confidence there and allow you to go forward they don't have that player now in Yamania Matic, in a way that someone like Ingolo Kante, for example, is at Chelsea. And I think again, another big, often underrated reason behind the marquee signings why I think Chelsea are going to win the league. But aside from that, I think United if United can sort that out and they can bring in someone like a Declan Rice or an Ndidi, then there is, I think, a real opportunity for them to push up higher up the table. And I think United's transfer dealings I, for considering some of what they've been like under the last few years this has been a very good window because united have gone out and got the players that they needed in the right positions jayden sancho was that creative player that consistent creative player united needed rafa varan is very much that stable center back that gives united a proper stable center back partnership which we've not really seen over the last few years lindelof maguire Baye maguire they've never looked the most convincing as partnerships, Varane Maguire will be a convincing partnership, but they do need to sort out the centre of midfield. They do need someone who I think is young, someone who would have done what Nemanja Matic would have done five years ago, a younger player who can dominate and can control that midfield and allow players like Paul Pogba, Bruno Fernandes to perform at their best, to allow them to go forward and be creative. Because as we saw at the Euros, Paul Pogba is a player who on his day is electric. Who can dominate the pitch, who can make things happen. But the system at United doesn't work for him. They don't have that player at CDM to allow him to be so creative, to be so free. That's the signing United needs. And if they can get that out of Pogba and bring more out of Fernandez in that front three, they could push higher up into the top four. But I think that's the thing for now that's just keeping them in fourth for me. Okay. And me,
0: Dan, any last words on the top four?
2: Uh, Yeah. I mean, a centre defensive mid is definitely one of the final pieces of the puzzle, if not the last. Um, a right back, maybe, um, just to sort of fill in that role that Alex Tevez did for Luke Shaw to push him on, uh, to give him more motivation. We know that Wan Bissaka isn't the best in in the attack, uh, and you know, Kieran Trippy has been been mooted as a possible um, as a possible signing. I think Atletico Madrid want a bit too much from what Fabio Fabrizio Romano has been saying. Um, so yeah, I don't I think at the moment that's gonna be our signings. Um, but I still think it's a great team. I still think it's better than anything we've had for the last few years at least. Um, I think you know, I'm not I could talk for hours about Paul Pogba and just everyone saying, Oh, you just need to find you just need to get the right place to play alongside him. And I'm still not sure what to think of that because if you're spending ninety million pounds for a player, you want them to be able to play in any system. Um, but yeah, I'm not going to even say anything about Paul Pogba because I really like him, but I just don't know what to think of him anymore uh, as a player. Um, so yeah, I'm not going to get into that uh, wormhole.
0: Yeah, so that was our sort of our top four um, battle. What we'll do is we'll put our full tables in the um, description of whatever you're listening to this to, So you can come back in uh, May and figure out how wrong we were when Leicester inevitably win the league for the second time. So we're coming on to our European scraps. So our fifth to ninth. I mean, I'll run through mine quickly. I put Leicester in fifth, Tottenham in sixth. I put Leeds in seventh, West Ham in eighth, and Everton in ninth. I mean, Cam, what's your fifth to ninth?
1: So from 5th to ninth. so I have got Leicester in 5th, a bit of away from the top four, but clear daylight between 5th and 6th. With Leicester, I think the boring boys from the FA Cup last season, I think they're a very well-run club with very shrewd transfer business as well. It's a very secure 5th again for them this season. I've got Arsenal, despite last night, coming in 6th, and I've also attached to Arsenal that I do think they will win the FA Cup last season. I do think Arteta is going to put a lot of emphasis on getting some silverware in with his young team so I've got them coming in in sixth I've got West Ham in seventh I think following up last season with I think another very strong consistent season from them despite issues with squad depth that I think we can talk about certainly I think West Ham are going to really pull on and David Moyes has a system going there Tottenham I think the all of the drama that's been going on at Tottenham this summer we're over with the manager with Harry Kane there's clearly disquiet going on. I think that's going to affect their playing style and their performances this season. So I've got them coming into eighth. And then Aston Villa, with I think some very shrewd signings to replace Jack Grealish, if they all come off, I've got them coming in ninth.
0: Okay. And, I mean, Dan, what's your, what's your fifth to ninth place?
2: So I've gone Tottenham fifth. Uh, now, that might be an interesting one. But I just... It's not that Tottenham are very good, uh, because they're not. They're not very good, they're, they're good. Uh, they've got Hung Mints on, which is basically the difference, in my opinion. Um, uh, I think Leicester overperformed last season. I don't think they'll be as good as they were last season through no fault of Brendan Rogers. It's just if you look at his squad and the other squads, he hasn't got that standout player. Having said that, I think Arsenal finished six, so Arsenal ahead of Leicester, uh, Leicester seventh, West Ham eighth, and my probably you know, I've got a soft spot for Brighton. So I'm going to say them ninth. Uh, I really like Graham Potter. I don't know why, there's just something about him which he comes across as a very uh, football fanatic, I suppose you say, in the sort of same way that Prep Guardiola is, you know, I think he's a very good manager. Um, I think he is criminally underrated. I think he's what everyone thinks that Ralph Hasenhutl is. Um, So yeah, Brighton, so, Tottenham 5th, Arsenal 6th, Leicester 7th, West Ham 8th, and Brighton ninth. Those are my picks.
0: Okay, I mean, we'll start with the three teams that we've all put 5th to ninth in some sort of order, Leicester, West Ham, and Tottenham. I think you can't really, as Cam said, you can't really look past Leicester as definitely one of those teams that will be in that mix that probably won't be top four, you never know. But they definitely will be at some in fifth and I think that's a very fairly safe prediction from us and then you got West Ham obviously coming off the back of a very good last season the only issue I might see is that they now have European football and with the thin squad that they have they might be a bit further down than they were last season I'm thinking your Southamptons your Wolves that were in Europe and then did sort of suffer from it and then your Tottenham's I think I've so me, um, Dan's got Tottenham highest in fifth. I've got them in sixth and Cam's got them in eighth. I do think that really depends on whether Harry Kane stays. If Harry Kane doesn't stay, I think I'd move Tottenham down a few paces. But at the moment, I think sixth place for me, I think seems a fairly, fairly um, decent prediction. I mean, Cam, what would you, what would you think about those three teams?
1: Yeah, I'd say Leicester, I think, always have a very strong squad. I think that's the thing that distinguishes them. There's no marquee players necessarily in the Leicester side. There are some very good players in there. Yuri Tielemans, I think, is a player who's come on a lot over the last season, I think just in the last few months. And I think he's someone who's really starting to establish himself in that Leicester side. Harvey Barnes is back as well. We saw glimpses from him last season of just really how good he could be for that team. James Madison, I know there's a lot of uncertainty over James Madison, but on his day, he is a player who could arguably be one of the best attackers in the premier league and someone who again has really come on over the last few seasons and i think brendan rogers tutelage has helped there jamie vardy i think the last person to say about leicester consistently scoring goals at least sort of on the high 15 to 20 goals a season for leicester jamie vardy was injured of course for a bit of last season and you could somewhat tell a difference in performances But I feel like even though Vardy's coming towards the end of his career, he's still in rich goal-scoring form. And that's going to be vital to get Leicester up into fifth. And I just think looking at that team, not just on the pitch as well, but I think some of what's going on off the pitch will rub onto the players on the pitch as well. It's a well-run club. There's a really good positivity, a really good connection between the owners and the fans and the players. And I think that harmony is something you can't always rule out in terms of having an impact. And I think that's really what gets Leicester a secure for spot, especially now with the experience of winning silverware as well. That's going to buoy that team a lot. Arsenal have a very young side, a very exciting young side. I heard they may still be going in for Martin Odegaard, who I feel they can get Odegaard. That just kind of adds a little bit more strength to that attacking lineup. But a lot of the players coming through, Emil Smith-Rowe, Bukeo, Saka, these are genuinely exciting young players who I think Arteta is really starting to mould the team more in the image he was looking for, I think. Ben White, as well, is a very shrewd signing at centre-back. He played some fantastic games for Brighton last season and was really crucial when just when they weren't scoring with the fifth highest expected goals in the league. He was crucial to them getting those points by being so strong at the back. And looking at that Arsenal defence, they need someone who's going to be a presence someone who can marshal that defense. Now I'm not saying Ben White will do that immediately. He's still very young, but he's someone who can grow into that and I think that's a very good signing in the longer term for Arsenal. Tottenham a lot depends on Harry Kane. We've said that you know with Harry Kane, they do if he goes, it takes a lot of the goals and the assists out of Tottenham as well. And that's something that could really hurt them. They do have quality players though in that side aside from Harry Kane. We've mentioned Son Heung-min, Pierre-Emil Hoiberg, on his day, was one of the best defensive midfielders last season, certainly at the start of last season. Hugo Lloris, again, an inconsistent keeper, but again, on his day, very strong. I think Tottenham's defence is some, something that was so crucial to them getting up towards the top of the league a few seasons ago. That has regressed. Alderweireld's going, I think, is a loss for Tottenham. Obviously, he's still got Davison Sanchez, but Eric Dier isn't someone that you would want at centre-back and that squad has just been slowly regressing and slowly losing the quality allowed it to get to the top and I think with Nuno Sprutus-Santo now as manager he is someone who does know how to build a team and take it up as we saw with Wolves but Tottenham's a very different challenge to that Daniel Levy is someone who's very tight with the purse strings as well I don't think he's going to give Nuno the backing that he got at Wolves to really develop that squad so I am concerned for Tottenham because it seems all the optimism, even the optimism we had for them when they were performing well at the start of last season, just seems to be slowly sliding away from that club now. And given the big hopes that they had only a couple of seasons ago, it feels that that sort of the heyday of the Pochettino era is just slowly eroding now. And I think that's a very sad thing, given just how much that club had built up these young players and created this very exciting squad. It feels... It feels like Tottenham are gonna to do a Tottenham almost and bottle it at the last second.
0: Yeah, I mean you can't really say much about Tottenham, especially given that they still all their transfer business seems to still be up in the air. I mean, Dan, what are your thoughts on the three teams that we've all got fifth and ninth, so your Leicester's your West Ham yeah, and um,
2: I mean, we've just we've just talked about Tottenham, we've just discussed them. Um, I think Nuno Espirito-Santo is a similar coach in a way to Jose Mourinho in that uh, he values wins over attacking football. Um, So they haven't had a massive sort of change in style in manager. Granted, Nuno tends to go for five at the back uh, instead of uh, whatever Jose Mourinho goes with. Jose Mourinho is more flexible in his formations. Um, But I think they're just going to grind out a few important wins like they did last season, to be fair. They beat uh, City 2-0. They played either terribly or very well, either either way you want to look at it, whichever way you want to look at it. Uh, But they got the win against City. So I just think it's going to be uh, a continual um, sort of debate about, all right, do you want to finish fifth playing poor football, or do you want to finish, you know, mid table, but, you know, having some decent, uh, having some decent games and yeah, just sort of having more hope for the future. Um, I think I'll finish fifth. Um, sixth, Arsenal, just because they've got Arteta. Um, I was looking at their, everyone's comparing the Raphael Varane signing to the Ben White signing. and I don't think that's fair because Man United and Arsenal are in different stages of their sort of progression as, a, as football teams. Uh, I think both signings are good for where the teams are at. Um, what I will say about Arsenal, though, is they don't have a centre-back who you'd be scared to come up against as a striker. Um, Harry Maguire would terrify me because he would absolutely flatten me. Raphael Moran, I'd probably just respect too much to actually like probably run out or anything because he's quick, uh, he's strong in the air, he's won everything there is to win. Um, Arsenal have Ben White uh, who else played yesterday I uh, don't they've got Gabrielle but he's out injured um, they've got Callum Chambers who they at right back yesterday uh, these centre-backs or sort of defenders um, there isn't anyone who you'd say is a is a leader in that team they're all because Callum Chambers isn't even that young but uh, then they're, they're not first they're not the first name on the team sheet well Ben White might be he's young he's just signed um, so there's a bit of a conundrum as to you know who's going to be the, who's going to take charge of that defence because it's not going to be the goalkeeper. Burn Leno letting Martinez go was the biggest mistake uh, Arsenal have made in years, and then you come to Leicester. Now Leicester are the best, well, are the best running club out of those three by far. Um, the thing is with Leicester, as as has already been said by Cam, uh, they don't have a marquee player. Um, you know, Vardy is getting on a bit. Um and I don't think he's gonna be the same player, you know. He's what, 35 now, and even though he was still going strong last season, every you know, time catches up with every with everyone. Um he's gonna lose some of that pace, I think. That's why they send Daka; they've already uh, prepared for um, the uh, sort of demise of Jamie Vardy. Uh, they've got Inacho, another good player, not a great player, a good player. Um I just think they haven't got uh, the star players that, you know, Aubameyang, even though he's getting on a bit, is still a, a great player. Hung uh great player. Harry Kane, if they can keep him, great player. Uh, they haven't got that name and that's what concerns me about them. But yeah, I think there's a massive difference between those three teams and the top four in terms of quality. And I think then below that, there's a big difference as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, you've spoken about Arsenal. I haven't put them in the fifth to ninth. I've put them tenth and I just think that they haven't really got a star they haven't really got a star player at the moment. Abameyang you'd argue is probably the closest one there, but he, even he's misfiring. He's sort of like being like a team Werner. Like he's should be scoring but he isn't. And I just can't see where Arsenal's goals come from. And I don't think their defence is as like strong as strong as it needs to be to challenge, uh, probably for Europe. Obviously, they're not in Europe this season. That might make a difference, but it's hard. It's hard to say. I think, possibly, I've been a bit harsh on them. Harsh on them, putting them tenth. But I just can't see. I can't see Arsenal being up there, being challenging for maybe Europa League. will be your fifth and your sixth. I put. I mean, I've put Leeds in seventh. I think that Leeds, especially. Will kick on from last season. They've uh, brought in Jack Harrison permanently, brought in Junior Furpo from Barcelona. That there's no reason that Leeds can't really do well this season. They've not really lost anyone. They played good attacking football last season, and if they can sort out, stop like sort out not losing to some of the weaker sides, and keep on like being beating the the stronger sides, like we saw last season. They beat Man City. They um, drew with drew with Manchester United. Uh, those those are the ones I can remember. I'm sure they definitely took points off the bigger sides more. But that's why I mean that's why I think Leeds are up there and possibly could challenge for Europe. And then I mean we'll come on to the we've all got different teams for ninth. I've put Everton. You Cam's uh, put Aston Villa and Dan has put Brighton. I mean, do you want to Cam? Do you want to run through why you think Aston Villa are going to be sort of up there in ninth?
1: Yeah, so Villa's an interesting one. So I originally did the table. I had them down in 13th. But I've kind of thought about this. And with Villa, I I made a lot of that judgment based upon the games they didn't have Grealish last season. The fact that Villa, without Grealish, when he was out injured towards the end of last season, were not as good as they were with Grealish. You could tell the difference. And so I was kind of thinking about that. And I think that kind of put... Originally, I put them quite low. But the more I kind of think about some of their transfer business... I think Buendia is a fantastic player who I think can provide not not what Grealish did, but can cover a lot of what Grealish did. And he is a player as well with Premier League experience, having played at Norwich. And even though he's been in the Championship with Norwich last season, he's got experience of English football, a lot of the physicality of it, and in particular, some of the kind of the lower mid-table scraps that Villa are going to need to win to be able to get into the top 10. So I think that's a good signing. Ashley Young is a very shrewd signing. Yes, Ashley Young is getting on a bit. He is an older player, but he is, you know, he was only a couple of years ago in the uh, start in the starting eleven for the England squad. This is a player who ha- provides a lot—not just going back defending as well, but also going forward as well—and can really bring some intent to that Villa side. And I just think that experience that Ashley Young bring, I think, is going to do so much um, for Aston Villa and really galvanise that squad in a way. On the other flank, if, Ast- if Ashley Young. Does that on the left? I think Leon Bailey is a very shrewd signing on the right. He's been in fantastic form for Leverkusen over the last couple of years. He's going to bring some real pace as well to that Villa side. And really, I think very much a lot of the signings that Villa have done have very much brought what Grealish did, but over more players. And so I think that's something that Dean Smith can really use to kick on with. And I think provide a very attacking threat for Villa this season, which I think ultimately, I don't think Villa are going to win games. Necessarily by defending, although Emiliano Martinez is one of the best keepers in the league. And I think, as Dan said, clearly has been shown to be a big loss to Arsenal by the way he's just been able to perform at Villa and have that freedom to keep those clean sheets. He will keep quite a few clean sheets, but Villa will get into the top 10 because of the way they've shrewdly replaced Grealish across multiple players. And so it means that the effect of losing one of them isn't as much as it was with losing Grealish. And so I think it's going to be very tight. And I think they're probably, they may just sneak in at the last minute. And I think there's certainly maybe a gulf between them and Tottenham. But Villa will get into ninth. And I think they'll solidify their status in the Premier League in a way that last season, most people had them to be going down. I think they really kicked on last season. This will be the one that really solidifies them as a higher mid-table, possibly pushing for Europe Premier League
2: side
0: okay and um dan you put uh brighton in ninth. yeah a bit of a, p- bit of a yeah, better performance than last Brenton. season
2: yeah um i mean brian are xg kings we all know that um and, um i just <laughs> it's hard to justify putting brighton ahead of everton ahead of aston villa ahead of leeds ahead of wolves even um the well, last season, I believe, they finished fifth in the XG table. Now, I'm not saying they're going to finish fifth; uh, almost no chance. Um, but I did. I, I think they got very unlucky last season. Um, I remember when they played. They played us as in United. Um, they were very. They very. They played very well, and we beat them literally after the final whistle had gone with a Bruno Fernandes penalty, um, like we always do. And yeah, but I I think they are a very well-run club. Um, I'd like to have a look at you know how they play first, but yeah, I I, I don't think they'll perform. Um, as you know, they're not going to finish fifth. They're not going to max match their XG from last year. However, they finished what 16th, 17th, about that ballpark range last season. Um, and I just think they're a much better side than that. Um. Compared to like teams who would be hoping to to finish ahead of them, Everton haven't really made great inspirational signings, to be honest. What Damari Gray and Ambrose Townsend? Ooh, um, uh, is all I'll say to that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like I feel for Everton fans. Um, I, I believe there was a table, there was a table published by the Athletic of um, optimism amongst uh, each team's fans, and I'm fairly sure I saw Everton last. In that table, you know, they brought in Rafa Benitez, who I don't think is a bad manager. He's a bad manager for Everton. He was at Liverpool for a long time. Um, then, and yeah, just the signings Andros Townsend, um, we're not even going to talk about Gilfie Sigurdsson. Um, Just there's just a lot of, um, yeah, a bad aura about Everton at the moment, I feel. And that's why I feel they're not going to be able to finish out of Brighton. But yeah, uh, unlucky to, for Aston Villa not to be there. Having just uh, criticised Everton, uh, I'm going to say that. Uh, Aston Villa are actually going to finish behind Everton. Um, just because it's a progression, it's going to be hard without Jack Grealish, as has already been said. Uh, but yeah, we'll see how all those parts um, sort of gel, because I remember after Tottenham sold Gareth Bale, and they spent all their money on seemingly good players, um, it, it just didn't work for them.
0: Yeah, I mean, you've sort of mentioned um, Everton now. I've put them nine. I just think even though they're not probably as inspiring as they probably could be that um, it would like, they haven't really lost anyone. So I wouldn't say that they'll go down and Rafa Benitez is a good manager. He will be able to make things work with them. So I think just keeping them in ninth is probably the best, best thing that I think they're probably going to hope for. I think ninth would be the best that they could get. But other than that, I don't see them being much lower. And we'll come on to what I think about Aston Villa and Brighton in the next section, mid-table challenges, because that is where I have put them both. So I've gone for, from 10th to 15th, Arsenal, Wolves, Aston Villa, Brentford, and then Brighton and Newcastle in 15th. I mean, Cam, what's your 10th to 15th? So I've got
1: Leeds in 10th, I think, going to kick on from last season. They've kept the players they need to keep. They've kept the manager they need to keep as well. Leeds, I think, are going to really solidify themselves. A similar way to Villa. Wolves back in 11th. Raul Jimenez is back. That is the difference, I think, between Wolves being able to challenge somewhat, but they have lost some of their higher-class players and a manager that kept that squad together. So it's a real transitional season, despite Jimenez coming back. So they'll be in 11th. Everton, I think we've pretty much touched upon them. I've got Everton down in 12th. I think the lack of optimism, I think, is justified. I think we've talked about most of what we need to talk about. Everton's transfer window, which seems to have been um, done in 2016 rather than 2021. And I think arguably the worst decision I think Everton made with the manager. I think Raph Benitez is a good manager, but there were better managers out there. I think Eddie Howe personally should have got the job. I think a much more attacking coach, similar to the ilk of Ancelotti, someone who has been out of a job for a year, admitted, but someone as well who has a passion to work at Everton, being a boyhood Everton fan all his life. And he is someone who is very much, I think, a new style of English manager, similar vein to Graham Potter, being an attacking manager, I think would have been a perfect fit for Everton, not Benitez. So I've got them in 12th. Newcastle, who I predicted to finish above Leicester, of all teams last season up in ninth, I think. A more realistic prediction for them this season in 13th. Callum Wilson, Alan maximin I think, are key to keeping them fit because Newcastle do look a different squad with them in on their day, as they do as well with Joe Willock, who I think is a crucial signing for them, getting them into 13th. Brighton, the XG Kings of last season, they haven't signed anyone that convinces me that they're going to turn their expected goals into actual goals. And at the end of the day, it's goals that get you points. So I've got them in 14th. I don't think they'll be in the relegation scrap, but I don't think they're going to be pushing on as high as Dan does. And finally, in 15th, I've got Burnley. Every year, Burnley seemingly ends up in and around the relegation battle, but I never see them going down. I've never looked at that team, whether I think a lot of it's down to Sean Dyche and the way he drills that squad and he organises it. The backbone as well, Nick Pope, Tarkowski. Ben Me, and then also they're very physical forwards as well, Chris Wood in particular. I think that is a team that just knows how to stay up in the Premier League. So I've got Burnley coming in in 15th.
0: And Dan, your 10th to 15th mid-table challenges?
2: Um, So I went Everton, Aston Villa, Leeds, Wolves and Newcastle. I've already spoken about Everton and Aston Villa. Leeds, um, Leeds, I don't think I've got as good a squad as the other teams in and around that zone. However, they've got Marcelo Bielsa, um, who, I mean, Junior Firpo has already come out and said it. Um, He's seen more videos of how um, he wants, of how Bielsa wants him to play in two weeks at uh, Leeds than he saw in two years at Barcelona, Um, which, you know, is a criticism of Barcelona, but it's also a compliment to Leeds and how thorough uh, Marcelo Bielsa is. I think they. I think I don't think Patrick Bamford is a great player. I think he's an okay player. I think Calvin Phillips is their best player. I'd say, um, and I think they've got a solid team. And it's a team that we'll look to in a few years. As I mean, people are already saying, "Oh, can the challenge for?" I don't think so yet. But in a few years, yeah, they'll sort of uh, have strengthened each piece of their team, and yeah, they'll be able to uh, go for Europe. Then I've got Wolves. Now, a couple of seasons ago, uh, we were talking about Wolves as potential Europe, uh, you know, European, as a European team, I think, you know, um, and even perhaps going into the top four. But they've just regressed. Uh, They've lost their manager, Nuno, who was down with them back in the Championship. Um, And they don't seem to have the ambition that they did before, you know, when they brought in Ruben Neves, uh, Gio Martinho, um all those players who you thought that's a massive downgrade for them coming from their team but then actually took wolves up to a new level they don't seem to be making those type of signings anymore and you know they i think they're just going to regress um not so much because they've gotten worse because they really haven't gone anywhere they are um other teams have just improved uh in relation to them and then so I've said 11 12, 13, 12. But and Newcastle. Yeah, Newcastle. Um Newcastle are just a solid team with St. Maximan in. That's it. Uh they've got an average manager with Steve Bruce. And now we're getting towards teams who I don't think are very good. Uh this is the point where I think they go from being solid to just not very good teams. But because um and they're gonna finish fifteenth because the other teams aren't as good as them. They don't have as an, an they don't have as much experience of the Premier League in the uh, in the same way that Newcastle do, and they have a few. Uh, well, they've got say Maxman, who is a very exciting player, and you know is a player who gets the crowd off their feet. Um, sorry, um, and uh, yeah, I think uh, without St Maxman, they'd definitely be in more trouble than they are right now.
0: Uh, yeah, so I mean. We've all seemed to uh, sort of agree. I think Wolves, as you mentioned there, I think they really, really suffered from Raul Jiménez's injury. It's really good to see him back, but just losing a player that will get you like 10 to 15, almost 20 goals a season, you can't really recover from that. And it almost felt like it's not they were living on borrowed time, it's that they were really performing and they they needed to keep performing to keep maintaining that level. And as soon as they stopped, then sort of the life fell out of them in a way. I think that, um who else? I think that Newcastle, we've all got Newcastle in there. They're just always there. I don't really have much hope for them. I can't see them being relegated. I think they're definitely four or five teams that are worse than them. But I, I mean, I put Brentford in my um, 10th to 15th. I think Brentford, you could see them sort of being like a Sheffield United, coming up, managing to get sort of good performances in. I don't think that maybe 13th is quite high. I'd maybe I've I'd been quite optimistic there, but they played well last night. I know it was against Arsenal, so can't really can't really say much about that performance, but they did play well. And I think that their stay their, I mean their first game back obviously with fans but their stadium seems like a place you almost not wouldn't want to go to but does seem that it's sort of a twelfth man for a Brentford that probably need that need that twelfth man and I mean last but not least that me and Cam have put in that range will come to Brighton. Again I don't I agree with Cam. I don't see that anyone has come in that could help with their expected goals turning into actual goals. And I'm quite surprised that they haven't brought anyone in because that did seem to be their big issue last season, finishing. And I think if they do bring someone in, I don't see any reason why they can go a lot higher, especially if they find a hidden gem that could get that 10 goals that wouldn't have gone in the way, that would go in. And if they're making the chances and making making up like the points to get them up there, I don't see any reason why they couldn't possibly get into the top half of the table. I mean, can what? Uh, I mean, you haven't really got any any out there predictions, so do you want to sort of just run through um, anything else you want to say, really?
1: Yeah, I mean, one of the things about Brentford, and I think this is something I'll touch upon. Brentford, I've got Brentford going down this season I I know quite a few Brentford fans myself who have been really excited about this moment they've been waiting for so long to get up to the Premier League and I do think they will do very well I think this is a season where a lot of all the teams that have come up I think are going to get in the high 20s 30 points there's no one team that I don't think is going to have a disastrous season so I think every team's going to score and get loads of points I think the thing with Brentford and Bournemouth is the exception to the rule in the last few seasons and I think a lot of that is down to Eddie Howe as much as it is to the players and the team. But a lot, if you look at a lot of the teams that have come up in the last few seasons, teams that tend to play a bit more expansive, attacking, attractive football, like Brentford have typically done in the Championship, don't tend to stay up in the Premier League. It's not it's something that normally works out. The best example, I think, Norwich coming up a couple of seasons ago when they won the championship with this very, you know, exciting attacking football and people really expected Brighton to kick on and do some people expecting almost what Leeds have done right now. Or I don't know if that was potentially too optimistic for Norwich, but they went down after a good first few games, they just crashed and burned. And I just think that in the Premier League, particularly if you're a new side, I think you've got to come up and you've got to really have a strong defensive spine and really cope I think with what is the big physical challenge and the big change in the physicality between the Premier League and the Championship and I say Bournemouth and possibly Wolves as well the exception to the rule in the last few seasons but a lot of the teams that have stayed up are those like your Sheffield United and your Huddersfield who in the first season did really play as much more defensive football and really made that adaption to the physicality I'm not sure that's necessarily something that Brentford have in abundance in that team Despite the fact they do have some very exciting um, attacking players, I think Ivan Tony is someone who I think has really grown in the last couple of seasons, coming out as a top scorer in the Championship last season. I think he is someone who will get a lot of goals in the Premier League. But I do think Brentford are a side that will concede a few as well. And I think that's ultimately why I can't put them in mid-table and why I think they're going down this season.
0: Yeah, I mean... It's just, I think it's just hard to say. I think we I think they'll probably do, they'll do a Sheffield United. They'll do one good season and then maybe collapse into, back into the relegation zone. But I mean, Dad, Dan, do you want to add anything?
2: Yeah, I mean, with Brentford, I've got them as, uh, I haven't written numbers now, so I have have to count. (laughs) One, two, three, four, five. Okay, so I've got them in, 16th, good maths. Um, and yeah, um, with Brentford, they you're talking about how they you know sort of lack the physicality that is needed in the Premier League. Um, yes, to an extent, but at the same time, they've got Ivan Tony, uh, who yesterday was excellent alongside um, boomu and boo boo buemu. I hope I, I butchered his name. Say, I hope I, I just <laughs> haven't pronounced it correctly. Um, there's going to be so much more of that happening next season. I'm so bad with pronunciations. Um, but um, yeah, he was excellent, and he his link-up play. He's not just a goal scorer, which is what I assume because I don't watch much Championship football. I saw that he had 33 goals last season in the Championship. Um, I put him into my fantasy team. I thought am I going to get burned like I've been so many times with Timu Puki? But I was really happy with what I saw from him yesterday. Um, He didn't get his goal, but um, some of his, you know, he put in a great cross at one point um, and he looks really good physically. He was winning so many headers. Granted, it's against that Arsenal defence, which, you know, um, is is weak for lack of a better word. But um, I think he's going to be able to... uh, to pull that Brentford team up to a relatively safe uh, 16th position, um, and then yeah, uh, that's all I have to say on Brentford.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's not not much else to say about this um, this part of the table really. I think any team, you can have a team that outperforms themselves quite dramatically. You look at your West Ham's last season; like most people were thinking, mid to lower table, finish sixth. Like there's no reason that I don't know. A Brighton can't finish up himself. and set Aston Villa with their new signings, which we've probably mentioned. brought in Danny Ings, um, Danny Ings, Buendia, Leon Bailey. I mean, there's no reason they can't finish quite high. But then they could also do what sort of Tottenham did once they sold Gareth Bale, as you mentioned. They could have made a load of signings on a load of players, and then those players don't perform, and they're back down in 16. Like it's it's hard to. Hard to say with uh, this part of the table, wouldn't I mean, Cam, would you agree?
1: Yeah, I mean, trust me when I'm going over all the Aston Villa signings to forget arguably the most important one that they've made, which is Danny Ng, someone who has been electric at Southampton over the last few seasons, someone who, in scoring, I think, about 20 goals a couple of seasons ago, was someone who's very much been the difference in that team. And I think a lot of Southampton's fall last season from the top of the table to near relegation, I think came with Danny Ings coming out of that side. With Aston Villa, as I said earlier, they've replaced Grealish with more players than what Grealish could provide on his own, which, yes, I I think will take time to bed in, but I think is certainly a good long-term prospect. I think will come good by the end of the season. But the partnership between Danny Ings and Ollie Watkins has the potential to be one of the deadliest in the Premier League. Ollie Watkins I think was on his day one of the best strikers last season and was someone who I again someone who I was always very confident about having seen him at Brentford but in the Premier League last season I think he I think he was very unlucky to not make a push for the England squad and to not get it potentially get into that 26 he I think is really going to come on and being partnered with Danny Ings as well I think there's real potential for Villa there and that's why I've just got them going into ninth of course the one team that loses out the most from the Danny Ings transfer is Southampton of course being a Portsmouth fan my opinion towards Southampton is always slightly biased but I've got them down in 16th this season I always do want to relegate them and it's it's slightly sad that I can't because I just feel there are teams that are worse than them this season but they are they are in a real rut and it's Something that I don't necessarily feel they they know how to get out of. And with Southampton, I think what's going to keep them up are the performances of individuals. James Ward-Prowse, I think the most important individual to keeping them up. But they are so not the team that they were a few seasons ago under Ronald Koeman, which was producing some of these fantastic players and really developing them to go on to bigger sides. But really, again, almost doing like a Leicester almost having a really good team of players something's gone wrong at southampton i don't think they know the way out it's not enough to relegate them but there should be more than the alarm bells that are ringing you know someone like armstrong for example is not the signing that i would necessarily have made or at least being the only real signing of note i think i'm i would be concerned if i was a southampton fan and if i was a sports football club fan i would be celebrating with immense glee. Even if we will inevitably spend another campaign struggling to get out of League One, we can at least enjoy Southampton struggling.
0: Yeah. I mean we'll come on to Southampton in I we've all got them in our final five, so we'll come on to that quickly. But Dan, do you wanna just add any last words on Aston Villa and the money they've spent from the Swedish transfer?
2: Yeah, um I can't criticize any of their in like individual signings. They all look great on paper. That's the thing, on paper um but we all but I, I've mentioned it before you know I've already mentioned it Tottenham look what happened their signings look great on paper and and did any of them work out lamella maybe because he was there for a few seasons soldado certainly didn't um I, I'm forgetting the rest of them just because they were so um just uninspiring looking back on it now um but I'm sure I I looked at them at the time and thought they look great um can you replace one player with a variety of different plays in football i know that people talk about Moneyball, and you know i've watched the film and everything and that's how they did it there but football's different to baseball um so um, is that necessarily going to work i don't know we'll have, we'll have to see we'll have to see they couldn't go and get a like for like replacement to jack greenish because there isn't one that fit in their price budget and to be honest i don't think there's a player like jack Grealish in world football right now um so they've done the best that they could with the circumstances that they had um, and it'll be interesting. Well, I'm really gonna enjoy watching how their season turns out because I'm I'm a neutral in there, in as towards Aston that I don't really care how we do. But it's nice being a neutral when um, you know it could go, go either one of two ways. So yeah, that'll be interesting.
0: All right, so that's our 10th to 15th finishers done, and it's time for the relegation fighters. So I have put Watford in 16th. Burnley in 17th Southampton in 18th Crystal Palace in 19th and Norwich in 20th so Southampton Palace and Norwich go down I mean Cam what are, what are your bottom five
1: as much as I want to relegate Southampton I've got them in 16th they are going to just stay up literally just stay up but there are clubs in a worse position than them by not very much but sadly for me Southampton are in 16th Watford. I have to stay up in 17th. I think very tight. I think the difference between Watford, I think is just a little bit more Premier League experience and players like Troy Deeney, for example, who I think will just be that little difference in keeping them up. But it will be very close. Crystal Palace in 18th. I'm really concerned for Crystal Palace this season. They've seemed to have gone through this massive transition where they've let loads of their experience go. They've still got Zahar. But I don't think he is enough to keep them up anymore. And I think as a squad they're a lot weaker. I'm not entirely convinced by Vieira as a manager. So I've got them down in 18th. Brentford, I've already touched upon. I think they're going to produce some exciting performances, but I just don't think it'll be enough to stay up. And Norwich, I think compare their squad to two years ago, I think they've got a worse squad. They've not I don't think they've solved a lot of the issues that they had, particularly with the physicality when they came up. And they to me they've just as i said i think the worst problem is they've let go of a lot of the good players that they had from their last premier league campaign jamal lewis buendia they've not replaced them well and so for me norwich will go down again in last place so for me going down this season i've got crystal palace brentford and norwich
2: all right and dan your final five so yeah um so i've got i made an error when i was counting before so I've actually got Brentford, Burnley, Palace, Norwich and Watford with Southampton uh, in that 15th spot. Um, okay. But yeah.
0: So what's was it? Brentford, Burnley?
2: Brentford, Burnley, Palace, Norwich, Watford.
0: So, I mean, we've all got, so as from what I can see, we've all sort of got the Palace, your Palace, your Norwich and your Watfords. So, I mean, why, I mean, from those three teams, why would you, Cam, say that Those three are the most likely. You've mentioned, obviously, what Norwich could do. But especially, I think Palace is the team that most people wouldn't really think would. They've never really been at threat from going down. They've always seemed to be a team that's you're thinking you're 14th, you're 15th. They're always down there, but never down down there. So, I mean, they've got a new manager. But has that really changed that much?
1: But they've lost a lot of the players Mm. and a lot of the experience. I mean, if you look at someone like Van Aanholt, for example, he's not a top-quality player, but he's experienced in that side. And Crystal Palace have let go of a lot of that experience. And I know there's this whole kind of sea change that Palace have been going on. They wanted to kind of move on from the Hodgson era, which a lot of people did feel was kind of starting to become a bit stale, was going nowhere. But I feel like by going I'd rather go nowhere than go backwards. Now, Vieira, I'm unsure of as a manager. He had a fairly decent record at New York City, but the MLS isn't really a stomping ground as a manager. His record's in nice, he got one nice to the Europa League in one season, nearly got them relegated the season after. So Vieira, I'm still mixed upon, and I think it'll be interesting to see how he does. For me, I ju- I, I, it just feels like the time is running out for Palace and it was coming sooner rather than later. But I feel by letting go of a lot of the stability and a lot of the experience that has kind of kept them up in the last few seasons, I feel this time is just they're just going to go under. It'll be close. I think that battle between kind of Southampton, Watford and Palace and I'd say probably Brentford as well. If all of those five teams I've got at the bottom, it's going to be very close and it will go down to the final day. But I do just think this is the season where Palace go down. Not necessarily by not not winning loads of games. I think Palace will still grind out results like they tend to do. But I just don't see them performing well enough against a lot of the teams, particularly that they're competing against in the relegation battle, to keep them up. So, yeah, I feel Palace might need the champ. I feel it might be a good thing for Palace to have the Championship, to give them the chance to regroup and come back up stronger. But I just feel this season is one too much for them.
0: I mean, Dan, would you agree with that? I mean,
2: yeah, yeah, I'd agree. I mean, the signings that they've made, I don't think are bad signings. Um, you know, they've signed Guehi, a lovely, another butchering of a name by me. Um, I think he's a very good signing. They've signed Joachim Anderson. I uh, haven't seen much of him, but he looks to be an experienced centre-back from Lyon. And then they've signed Michael Alisse, who, um who is a very exciting player. You know, they've got an exciting uh, three players in those sort of attacking mid-winger roles in uh, Zahar, Olise, and Eberechi. Um, but they have lost so much experience. I'm just looking through the transfers now. Van Anhalt, Van Anhalt, Van Anhalt has already mentioned, Sacco uh james mccarthy gary cahill scott dan um not necessarily the best players but just so much experience added into the fact that they've lost Roy hodson um and they've got an unproven manager in patrick vieira um i feel like they haven't necessarily got worse but last season i thought they were one of the worst three teams i thought they deserved to go down last season because they just so they was just so stale and apart from zahar and uh Eberici, um, just a really boring team to watch I and mean, not a very good one at that. Uh, yeah,
0: but another team that me and Cam have got staying up, but you've got staying down, Dan, is Watford. I mean, I really wonder, why do you think Watford are going to round out the bottom of the table, uh, even behind Norwich?
2: Um, well, Norwich had a great season in the Championship last season. Um, and I still think they're going to go down. Watford weren't as good as Norwich last season. And Watford, if I'm not mistaken, are owned by the Pozzo family, the family which owns Udinese um, and has lots of uh, involvement in football. Um, and they seem to like to enjoy changing managers every other minute. Uh, the manager, I believe, is Shisco at the moment. Um, I don't know why I've telling his name, because he's not going to be there for very long, to be honest. But I'd be so surprised if he's there by Christmas um i i feel like i remember him as a player um but yeah i just what for the they've got ismail song great player they've got troydini good player on his day uh more of a i'd say more of a championship striker than a uh premier league striker you know sort of in the dwight gale timu Pookie range that sort of range um but without Ismail Assar, they'd have no chance. With Ismail Assar, because everything goes through him in Watford, at Watford. Um, with, that, with him, yeah, they could stay up. But I just think they're the worst team. Um, by Not by a long distance, because I think Norwich aren't a great team, but by a bit of a margin, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think my bottom five, I think they're quite a way off the rest of the table I think maybe with the exception of Brentford I might have been quite optimistic with them and they could easily be around there but Watford, Burnley, Southampton, Palace and Norwich do seem to be the five teams that sort of always will be around the relegation zone this season. Burnley have always been sort of ever since they came seventh in um, one I think it was a few years ago they've sort of always been around that 15th, 16th always staying up and I do think they'll continue to stay up this season. But I do think it will be close between Watford, Burnley and um, Southampton for that last relegation spot. I think Norwich are pretty nailed on to go down. I, think, I can't really see Crystal Palace staying up. I think time might be up for them. But I could easily see uh, Watford going down instead of Southampton or even Burnley if they just have a bad season. I mean, Cam, are you, have you got sort of two that you've got nailed on and then one that maybe you would sort of put between three teams or two between three teams? Or what do you think?
1: I'd say Norwich is nailed on for me. I think they're definitely going down. I think Brentford aren't nailed on, but they very easily could go down. Or very near to being nailed on, I would say. Crystal Palace is the one I think Vieira and the team. could It could surprise us. I mean, Dan's mentioned a lot of the signings and they are exciting young players. And there is, you mentioned that front three as well. That could be a very exciting front three and that could be one that could get enough goals to win but that's not really been the way that palace has been playing scoring lots of goals and winning matches that way so i'm not sure it's necessarily going to be the way that palace stay up and you look at the defensive experience that's gone i'm unsure about that and whether they can replace that with attack with an attacking threat that i think Vieira is more likely to play so for that I think they're more likely to go down than Watford and Southampton a lot due to that quite significant change but I wouldn't say they're nailed on and if they can get it right then I would say probably they're more likely to stay up than Watford and more likely maybe than Southampton but I just don't think they're going to get such that radical change that I think they're likely to need and they're likely to want I don't think they're likely to get that right so Yeah, I'd say Brentford and Norwich are my two most likely to be pretty much nailed on in Brentford's case, certainly. Palace could stay up, and I could very easily see them staying up, but I think it's going to be very interesting to see how they get that change.
0: Okay, and Dan, I mean, how confident are you of your bottom three, or are there certain teams that you Uh, would need to match?
2: I'm not confident at all. There's so many teams who, you know, I think... Could go down that, um, you know, I'm looking at the table now. I mean, we've, I mean, I remember last season Arsenal were in a relegation, let's call it battle, because it was in like November at one point, but they were, you know, low, they were far down. Um, there's so many teams who, if they just have a bad season, they can go down. There's not that many teams who can just take for granted their Premier League status. For example, like Everton, if they have a bad season, they could definitely go down. Uh, Newcastle have a bad season Wolves so many teams just have to have one bad season and they're down uh, it doesn't even have to be a terrible season just a, just a bad season bad luck with injuries bad luck with form uh, yeah and all just you know just unlucky uh, and they can go down so I wouldn't actually put money on any of the three that I've said going down actually going down it's way too I mean we've had one game of the season we, we haven't had a chance to see how any of the new signings going to fit in Uh, you know, pre-season, you can't really draw too many conclusions from that, but yeah, uh, I wouldn't actually put money on any of the three that I've said, going down, actually going down, because I'm terrible at predictions, but yeah, we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, so I think that rounds off the uh, Premier League table prediction that we've all set out. Again, as I say, we'll put all the tables in the description so we can come back to it at the end of the season and see how we did, but finally, I guess we'll just do some individual awards. So I'll ask each of you sort of for your player of the season and then Golden Boot. So Cam, who would be your player of the season then, Golden Boot?
1: Golden Boot, I think for me, with Chelsea winning the league is going to be Romelu Lukaku. He is going to be the difference between them winning the league this season and not. And I think he could easily get a 30-goal season out of Lukaku if he brings the Lukaku that was playing it into Milan over to Chelsea, which I think he will. And I'd say probably for that reason as well, Lukaku's probably going to be player of the season as well.
0: Okay. And Dan, who would you put as your golden boot and then your player of the season?
2: I was about to say Salah. And then I remember the African Cup of Nations. Mm. Um, So, I'm going to say Kane. Wherever, Wherever he will be, I think it will be Kane. I just think he's regardless of the circumstances that he's in, I just think he's that much of a better player than Lukaku that he will uh, end up with a golden boot. And then player of the season, I'm actually going to go eh, slightly left field. I'm going to say uh, Jaden Sancho. Um, I don't think many people, because he's been playing in the Bundesliga, realise how good he actually is. And for that, I'm going to say he's going to be my player of the season.
0: Okay. So, I mean, I'll come to mind. I think golden boot, it's quite hard to say. Because you're thinking your usual suspects might not really perform. You might... Your Kane, is he really that motivated to keep playing for Tottenham, especially if he doesn't move? Salah, as you mentioned, African Cup of Nations. Vardy's getting a bit older. So, Lukaku, maybe even a bit inconsistent. I think it's quite hard to say. I think I probably will go Salah. He's always seemed to be quite dependable. I think he will manage to overcome the African Cup of Nations. I don't know how many games he misses. This, I guess it depends on how far Egypt go in the competition, but I think he will overcome it and you can always rely on Salah to get you 20, 20 plus goals. Player of the season, I might go for Harry Maguire. I think especially with Manu- or United's defence over the last few years, I think Maguire has been quite underrated in it. I think he's not been seen as a defender on the caliber of your Ruben Diaz's your John Stones even your Virgil Van Dijk's I think that Maguire has been underrated probably because he was too expensive signing from Leicester but I do think he's a very good defender and now I think that he's got that partner in Rafael Varane that United might have a very good defensive season and it might just come down to whether whether the team can get the attackers firing throughout the season. So, yep. So my golden boot is Salah and my player of the season is Harry Maguire. Other than that, I think we're all finished. So thank you for coming on, um, Cam and Dan. Have you got any, have you got any last words? I'll come to Cam first.
1: Yeah, just on the point of player of the season quickly. I think if it doesn't go to Lukaku, if they don't want to give it to the golden boot winner, Kai Havertz, I think we saw just how he was starting to settle it under Tuchel last season. I'm talking up Chelsea so much because I genuinely believe you look at the team and the way they were playing towards the end of last season, I think Tuchel has really drilled those players, I think, into his style of football. I think tactically, the way that Tuchel will approach each game, particularly the big games as well, I think he really will know how to get those results out. And he knows where the talent is in his squad as well. And I think if he he will get the best out of Havertz, Mount Lukaku. If he can get Timo Werner going as well, that is going to be a very difficult set of players to stop you winning the league. This is an exciting season. I think the quality in the Premier League I don't think has ever been higher. And we're seeing, despite the insane amount of high-quality free transfers that PSG have pulled off this window, the quality in the Premier League at the moment I don't think has ever been this good. And I think that's it. I think it's a testament to the Premier League and to just how much players want to come over and play in English football. And so I think how much investment has been put into the clubs here. But I think it's testament as well to the fact that there's a really strong base of supporters in England who I think when we saw the Super League, I think really came out and showed just how much passion they have for the clubs. And I think that really motivates the players as well. And I think having fans back in the stadiums this season, I think it's going to be a fantastic season. It's going to be one of the closest I think potentially title fights we've seen in the last few years. I'm really excited, and if only Portsmouth could get out of League One and get back up to the Premier League in the next few seasons, it would make it even better.
0: Yeah, I mean, it would. It would. I mean, Dan, have you got any um, final words to? Yeah, um,
2: I think this is the season uh, where the Premier League becomes the go-to sort of destination for the world's best players. You know, we've seen La Liga dominating um, in in recent in recent history with real madrid and barcelona you know it seemed like all the great all the really truly great players their end goal was to end up at one of those two teams i think that's going to change um you know ronaldo and messi are no longer there so that's not the reason anymore you want to go to any of those teams um and yeah come kind of said about the quality in the premier league i think it's only going to get better um, i think you know, the signings that uh, each of the big four have made maybe with um, the exception are the exception of Liverpool, who've made canate and that's it, um, are going to increase the quality of the Premier League. Um, and I think, you know, future Ballon d'Or winners, uh, Foden, Havertz, Sancho, all potential future Ballon d'Or winners, all in the Premier League. And perhaps with the exception of Havertz, out of those I've named, they all look like they'll be in here, as in like Foden and uh, Sancho, look like they'll be here for the long haul. Uh, which is hopefully good for the Premier League, and hopefully it can become the league where the best players in the world finally end up instead of our league.
0: Yeah. So, thank you for uh, watching or listening, and uh, make sure to join our fancy Premier League um, competition. I mean, just the code will be in the description, and obviously, FPL is always a fun thing to get involved with. Welcome to any new freshers who are just checking us out. Like this is raw sport. Um, Cam does raw news, and there's lots of other, lots of other uh, stations on the lots of the sorry departments on the raw top fifty one am network. So I've been your host, Will Kingswood. This has been raw sport, and thank you for listening.